0: and welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor Podcast. I am super excited to uh, bring uh, to you this week, Colonel Tamra Funari. Uh, she is with the U.S. Army Nurse Corps. She is a Deputy Commander for Nursing and Patient Care Services, Medical Surgical Nursing Consultant to the Army Surgeon General. Uh, Colonel Funari received her Bachelor of Science in Nursing at Mount Carmel College of Nursing. She earned her master's of science degree in the, at the University of Texas and maintains a board certification as an adult health clinical nurse specialist. She earned her master's of military and science uh, from the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College. In 2014, she completed a one-year Executive Leadership Fellowship with Kaiser Permanente Headquarters, and earned another master's degree in strategic studies from the Army War College. Colonel Fonari has over 32 years of active and reserve military service. Her active service includes Chief Nurse and Chief Clinical Operations of U.S. Central Command, Director, Delivery of Health Division, Office of the Surgeon General, uh, she is currently serving as Deputy Commander of Nursing, uh, USA MedDAC, Fort Stewart, Georgia. I think I screwed that up, but that's okay. And Colonel Fernari has multiple peer reviewed publications and presentations. Uh, she was recognized as a Senior Nurse Leader of the Year in 2019 from the Army Nurse Corps uh, Association. Her key military awards and re- decorations. Include Defense Meritorious Service Medal, five military service medals, six Army Commendation Medals, and Army Achievement Medal, and various units, unit and service medals and ribbons. Colonel Funari is a member of the Army Medical Department's prestigious Order of Military Medical Merit. And welcome to the show, Colonel Funari.
1: Thank you. I'm, um, I'm very happy to be here.
0: Thank you. I th- I thank you for making the time. I know you're you're a very busy individual, and I appreciate you being here um so we're just going to write jump right into it uh by the way for my listeners uh uh, there's this is an abbreviated bio uh there's a lot more to this that's available on my website and you're more than please take the time and take a look at that um but uh, i I have to start with how did you get started in uh, in in the world of nursing Uh, and then we'll follow that up with why the military and why so many master's degrees? So, <laughs> so let's start from yeah. the beginning of what got you interested in in the world of nursing. What came first, the military or the nursing, or how did that happen?
1: Well, I've I've always been interested in nursing. I was actually, um, and you're gonna laugh. I was actually a competitive baton twirler in in high school and my my instructor was a nurse, and I just always looked up to her. So I started working as an, a nurse aide when I was sixteen um, back then, and um, just it's always something that I wanted to do. Now, um, the army did come before actual nursing. You know, i'm I'm what you call a late bloomer <laughs> in the world of college. Um, and uh, I, know, I know how that <laughs> is. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, you know, where you're not quite sure exactly, you know, what you wanted, you, you know, what you want to do, but you're not just really ready to, to settle down and get focused. And, um, and so I joined the army reserves, um, back in 90, what is it? 80, 86, 87. Um, and in all honesty, that was my twin brother. I have a twin brother and he, uh, he went into basic training, active duty and, and Kind of challenged me in such a way, um, saying that basic the basic training was so tough I wasn't going to be able to make it through. And so <laughs> guess what? Who signed up for the reserves? And um and I'm really glad I did it. Um I, I learned a lot, and it really helped to discipline me to be ready to go to college, um as well. And so I was in the reserves while I was going to school, um in nursing. So and then so that was the natural transition. Um when I um, was ready to graduate from my bachelor's of nursing. I applied for a direct commission, a direct commission um, into the Army Nurse Corps back then.
0: So, so. you went from being – so what were you doing as a reservist? Uh, what role did you have as a reservist?
1: I was a nuclear, biological, and chemical specialist, um, ah. which, which was – back in the day, it was called a 54 Bravo enlisted, Um, I made it up to E5 Buck Sergeant. Um, And back then, really what we did, it's a fancy title for learning how to decon um, things with mustard, gas and chemicals, chemicals and all those sorts of things. How to how to um, to test for it and things like that. So back in Alabama. (laughs)
0: And you also ran the gas chambers, right? Yes. Yeah, we
1: went went into the gas chambers. We went into live agent training. Um, It actually was a lot of fun. My AIT school spent a lot of time. When you're practicing using all the decon equipment, it really turns into water fights because you do everything with water. Right. So in the heat of Alabama, in the the dead of summer, um, it was quite fun. Interesting experience. So, for <laughs>
0: anybody who who doesn't know, gas gas chambers have to do with uh, test, making sure uh, that our service members know how to use a gas mask. So, as a result, yes. we put them in these chambers with uh, with a sort of a tear gas agent. I mean, that's I think the best way I can probably put that. Yeah, uh, civilianize it, uh, and we have them remove the mask and put it back on, and somewhere in between, people breathe that stuff in and it's not a pleasant thing, but it builds confidence in the gas, in the gas mass is what it right. does. That's
1: the it, whole purpose of it. That,
0: that's the whole purpose to build confidence that the ma- gas mass actually work.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yes.
0: Um, so uh, I remember a few things. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't enjoy it. Yeah. But I remember it. Um, so, uh, so, but you got a commission into, um, uh, into the uh, uh, Army Nurse Corps, uh, how was that transition going from enlisted into the officer ranks?
1: Um, it actually was actually was really good. It was a little bit easier for me than others at officer basic corps. Um, between my, here, going back to my twirling um, competitively with military strutting, learning how to to march and do commands and turns and Things like that, those are the basics that you learn at um, the officer basic course to start off with, and understanding the military culture, understanding the ranks, how to wear a uniform properly, you know, things like that. Um, it, it made it a little bit easier transition, and, um, and really the confidence, you know, as a butter bar going in. Now, the confidence as a brand new clinical nurse is a little bit different than but the confidence becoming an officer in the military on active duty, um, I, I, I think my military experience from being enlisted helped. And also, it's interesting enough that as a second lieutenant, when folks found out that I was prior service, um, it means something to them also. So the, you know, the other um, enlisted that you work with. Um, the NCOs, non commissioned officers that you work with, they're like, "Oh, you get it. You were prior service." I,
0: I think I've been away too long. Um, do they still call uh, in the army? We in the navy, we call them mustangs. In the army, we call them mustangs. Also, if you've been enlisted and you go into the commission world, or is I, that a navy thing?
1: Must be a Navy thing. I've never heard that be before. Yeah.
0: So we call, we call those individuals Mustangs. Oh, right?
1: uh, that's so, interesting.
0: So, yeah. And for my listeners, I know you mentioned butter bar, butter bars are just <laughs> not a, it's not actual a butter bar. Uh, bar it's the second yeah. Lieutenant ranks and they're, yeah. they're, they're like a goldish color and they are rectangular and they go on the collars. So we call them butter bars. It's uh, the very it's
1: first a, rank that you can't take on as an officer.
0: That's very cool. All right. Uh, so, uh, so I mean that's actually important. I mean having I think it's always a, from an enlisted perspective. I've always had a lot of respect for people who've gone enlisted and became commissioned because they I it just there's a it, it makes the bond that much stronger, right? Because they understand kind of what you've been through. So that's uh that's uh that's that's an important thing. And that's mm-hmm. a very important thing. Um now you went into the Army Nurse Corps and your first duty station looked like what? Uh where were you? And how did that uh, – uh, how was, like, you went to, like, some – was your new grad – so I'm assuming your new grad program was in the Army sort of thing? Uh,
1: uh, sort of. I um I worked for a little bit as a pediatric nurse in Columbus, Ohio. Um, oh, okay. While I was waiting to go active duty. Um, and um, and then, of course, you know, you go to officer basic course in, at Fort Sam Houston, now called Joint Base San Antonio. But my very first assignment was at Würzburg, Germany, which is in Bavaria. Um, and so um, that I got there in December of 90, 96, December of 96. It's been a long time. <laughs> 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 and, um, and I was actually a single mom at the, time, or at the time too. So my daughter came with me and, oh, wow. you know, it was quite the adventure. Um, I, I was part of the 67th Combat Support Hospital And um, USA, you know, Medac in Germany, Wurzburg, Germany.
0: Um, So were you, did you stay in in pediatrics or did they switch roles on you?
1: No, um, just as I was getting commissioned, um, they no longer, they used to have a pediatric specialty, but that stopped right before I commissioned. So you go in, you go in as your, as a med surg nurse and, and every, you know, most people, not everyone, but new grads. Will go in as a med surg nurse, and then then you decide if you'd like to specialize. And so the the night the really great thing the Army Nurse Corps has is um, specialty courses for those different specialties, such as um, critical care nursing and OR nursing and public health. Um, there's uh, many others, um, psychiatric nursing. Um, we don't have a pediatric nurse specialty any longer. Um, so when I went to Germany, I started on a med surge ward with a preceptor, uh, you know, and, um, and what the one thing about the military, though, you, you move into leadership roles very quickly. So um, if I, as I understand from my colleagues that are civilian, like to become a charge nurse, you're often, like promoted into that charge nurse position or hired as a charge nurse in the military, you start off as your as a new young nurse. Now we have a, a great um, 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 CNTP program, which is, um, oh my gosh, you're going to ask me to say the acronym. Then It's the <laughs> Clinical Nurse Transition Program, which is really like the nurse residencies in the civilian sector. When uh-huh. I came in, we didn't have that. We, you had your six weeks preceptorship, and, and then you start taking care of patients. Um, the, the Würzburg Medic was a fairly small hospital. We had one, one med surge ward. We also had a, a PACU and an OR and a special care unit, which was like um, a, a little bit lower acuity um, intensive care unit. So so as a med surgeon nurse, um, within less than that first year, I was, I was uh, working as charge nurse as well. And so charge nurse was a responsibility that, that those that became a little more experienced and they saw that you have, you're honing your clinical skills. That's your opportunity to learn to lead. So, so you take turns. Who's charge nurse today type of thing. Um, and then, you know, after the first couple of years, then I'm still being developed at that hospital. So I get, I get moved as a med surge nurse to the post-anesthesia care unit to learn how to recover patients um, and work with them as well as worked in the, the we called it the special care unit um and and in in that in that ward, we um we took ter- took turns whether you worked PACU that day or special care unit that day, um, and we helped each other out in that manner. So those that's really how we continue to develop those clinical skills. Um and and get prepared because I also deployed while I was at Wurzburg, Germany for the first time. Um and that was in a, a mission to tase our hungry. You might remember the 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 um the stuff that was going on in bosnia and hungary and then and then a year later kosovo so um i i was there i got deployed to hungary for four months to support those that were going to bosnia
0: yeah um and and i i kind of know uh how this part works but i'm going to ask you for for the for the listeners uh so you're a single mom uh, mm-hmm. How did that work? Like if anybody's listening, because I've had students of mine or colleagues have uh, tapped into me and like, well, I have a family. How does deployment work? Will I be sent anywhere? How's that? How does the military support a family when you do have to do deployments?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, part of the reason I wanted to go active duty is because I knew how well of a support system the military family was. Um, it's not easy, just like it's not easy being a staff nurse at any hospital as a single mom, especially if you're hired into where you do rotating shifts, you know. And so, you know, I will say it was challenging because we worked day shift and we worked night shift and and um you know, we had a, a child care center there on post, but you also were responsible to have your extended care if you worked nights, those sorts of things. But but you know, your your colleagues and the and the military and your unit they all come together to help you. Everybody works together, um, and so you know we cover down. There's every every assignment that I've ever been in. That's that's how that family is. If someone is in need, is having trouble, you know, maybe they're having trouble with with childcare for a little while. Somebody's gonna step in and say, "Hey, you know, you know my." spouse can help, or I can help. I'm off this day. I'll take your kid for this day with mine, you know, and that's just kind of what we do. You know, we help each other. Um, Deployments, you know, that we, you sign up to serve and you know what, you know, what could happen if you're, you know, if you're signing up to serve. So, you know, I, when I signed up for active duty, I'll tell you my very favorite show in the world at the time was China Beach. And I don't know if you remember that show that was on back in the day. Lieutenant Murphy and, um, you know, and she was in, she was an ICU ER nurse. She did everything, um, and caring for those wounded warriors as they were coming in off the battlefield. And that's what I wanted to do. And so I knew that when I signed that that could be part of that. Um, and it's an honor when you get the opportunity to do that. Um, but, you know, that was hard. I, um, I, my, my parents helped out a lot and they, they um, watched my daughter during those four months while I deployed. Um, I'll tell you now on deployment. So back then we had the MWR phones, M- morale, welfare and recreation phones, you know, and you, to call home. But now we have technology, you know, right. we have Skype, we have FaceTime, you know, it's, it's very easy to stay connected. Very, very easy to stay connected now on deployment. So that helps bring people closer to you, you know, as well. But even back then, that there were all kinds of military family programs to really help you to connect with your children, connect with your family while you're away and serving. And um, we, I was very fortunate to have some phenomenal leaders as mentors um, along the way who really cared about the well-being of their of their um, soldiers.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I know that's. I mean, the deployment definitely becomes. I think. Uh, I think people who are looking to uh, go into the military, I think they need to have a more realistic uh, kind of feel that you 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 have a very good possibility of being deployed, and it doesn't have to be in a combat area, but you are going to go somewhere at some point in time, and you are going to be separated from your family. So that's sort of the reality of. One of the things that you know uh, the the service uh, ser- service members kind of is part of the sacrifice. I guess it's one of one mm-hmm. of the things um, that we do, uh, and I think that that's part of the reality. And I remember those those phones that I could never get to. So, like I remember some. I was on a couple of deployments. One of the deployments was on a ship, and I and I had to get orders for my next duty station, and I had to call Washington D.C. But we were, I think we were in like Malaysia or something. I'm like, how am I going to call for orders when I'm in the middle? You know, so I ended up using a payphone in Malaysia to call <laughs> Washington, D.C. so I can get my orders for the next place. Uh, so, yeah, the fact that technology has has brought the families closer together, I think it's amazing. Uh, and, uh, and and it's, it's a good thing. Otherwise, it, it was snail mail, right? You mail and two months later, you get something back or so yeah so uh interesting um so how does uh how was your how was your uh growth in the military uh what, what, what was that like you mentioned mm-hmm. some mentors along the way um uh, how how did you know how to navigate your world you've had a successful career so far in the military uh how how did how did that path kind of come to be
1: um you know like I said, I had some phenomenal leaders and mentors and really it started out and and it started out with my first tour in Würzburg Germany my um my chief nurse okay so you know i i tend to can be kind of hard headed sometimes <laughs> and um and i got in a little bit of a, a argument with the command sergeant major over something and um and that my chief nurse called me and said hey Um, Lieutenant, my name was Lieutenant Durham at the time. Hey, Lieutenant Durham, you know, Sergeant Major said, you know, this and this went on. And, and I, (laughs) I said, you, you, you know, when you have an argument with somebody, you have, you have it, you work it out and then it's over. Am I right, Lieutenant? (laughs) it, (laughs) It was awesome. But I mean, I learned a lot from, you know, from her and from my other, you know, my chief nurses and, and I learned to reach out. So, you know, as I moved to, from different assignments, um, folks that I saw that I just really aspired to be like, you know, you gravitate to them. And then these, these just amazing leaders puts their arms around you. And sometimes, sometimes you have those conversations that you really don't want to hear, you know, but you know that they're doing it with love and they're, they're trying to guide you. And I'll tell you this, this chief, this um the one chief nurse i i was like oh my gosh she's she's really been very hard on me but i got amazing evaluations from her and she said you were a serious officer and and so you know those conversations they're having as part of your development because they want you to grow they want you to grow in your really critical thinking and now we kind of call it adaptive adaptive leadership right um to be able to look past what what's currently going on right here and and look at all the different avenues of approach to make that best decision and how do you communicate with others and um and these mentors really taught taught me these skill sets and in, in you know some very real ways i always always had people that were looking out for me following me reaching out pushing me um you know we knew each other at Kaiser Permanente, and when I got there, um, I had two two coaches that um, that you know had mentored me before. And one we you know we did projects for the Nurse Corps, we did projects for Kaiser, and and then okay, um, Colonel Finari, when are you going to publish? We need to get this on paper. We need you know, and so pushing me, we expect a product at the end of your tour there, you know, and helping me to get through that because you know, you get busy and without people saying, hey, you're getting on time. We need to get this out there. This is a great experience. Um, And, and really helping you navigate, navigate how to publish number one, that sort of thing. All of that is growth. You know, what do you want to do next? I had, um, I'll tell you when I was at, uh, when I was in San Antonio, I actually put in a packet for a PhD um, scholarship. Because I thought, okay, I've, I got my master's degree. I've done, you know, all this stuff. This is the next step, right? And I couldn't sleep at night. I sent my packet in. I couldn't sleep at night, and I was like, "Is this really what I want to do?" Because I love being around people and leading, and and do I really want to, you know, when you when you get your PhD, you're you're now you're a neuroscientist, and so now for a period of time, you're expected to do research. And you've got your utilization tool and all this stuff. So it kind of pulls you away a little bit from the kind of clinical nursing and leading that I just love, right? And so um, I talked to one of my mentors and I pulled it. Well, then the next thing that I know, another um, supervisor who is a very close friend of mine now um, became a mentor and called me and said, well, are you going to apply for the training with industry fellowship? (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, "What's that?" <laughs> and so, and Kaiser Permanente was the first year for them. And so, I did a little research and and with their um, help and guidance and support, I applied for that and was selected. So, um, so that's kind of how you know you move with the path. Just because you think this is where you should be, isn't maybe isn't necessarily where you need to go. You know, um, if you follow your heart and your and your heart will guide you then the, then your leaders will help you to navigate that way, you know, and then that's going to make you a better nurse, a better nurse leader, a better military officer, military leader. And so, um, you know, so one of the things that I always say, because one of my mentors had always said to me, pay it forward. Right. Um, you know, one of my mentors, she's retired now. I actually, well, I'm going to say it, Colonel Laura fighter. She, um, I put her in for a, um, Um, a nomination with um, the um, AONE and um, and she was selected and it's because she was just always phenomenal and she was always pay it forward pay it forward and so I always have that little angel in my ear and and that's always reminding me okay what officer can I push forward and guide what officer can I put in for the um, for the the O2M3 the um, order of military medical merit this year You know, I always try to put in one or two officers every year um, that are deserving to to join that, um, you know, the the order. So. So, you know, that's kind of I know I'm starting to ramble a little bit. That's kind of no, no, no,
0: no. This is this is good. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, I mean, actually, that's one of the questions, like, how are you, you know, you're you're now in a in a in a prominent leadership role and you have been for some time Mm -hmm. um, in various leadership roles. Like, um, how do you and I guess that's kind of the question. And that's one of the things actually I've struggled quite a bit in the civilian world is mentorship, because in the military, I never had a problem, never had a problem finding a mentor because, you know, not only was I seeking mentorship. Uh, on the other side, the mentor was pulling people to mentor, yes. right? It In the civilian world, it doesn't always feel like that. It feels more of a, more like, uh, oh, can I bother you? And can you do this additional thing, right, for me versus... Uh, so so it's always been, it's been difficult. It's one of the reasons I actually started this podcast is because I had difficulty finding mentors that were willing to be mentors or uh, did they pull uh, instead of, you know, pushing yourself onto them, um, Mm -hmm. as a mentee. So, um, so how do you see, so how do you see from a, from a leadership perspective, um, how do you pull, uh, somebody into that? It is a mutual role. Like it has to be a give and take. So how do you pull those individuals in? Like, what's your process?
1: So, so I think mentoring is part of, you know, it's, it's that leadership development and it's the culture of the military, right? It's, it's not just picking that one person to mentor and show them the way, but it's it's building the future of our, of our armed forces to continue to grow, to be the military and your, and, your, and so for us, military medicine, to continue to grow military med- medicine to be better, you know, with the, you know, then you left it. That we have to continue to grow these young leaders because they're going to be running the core, you know. And um, and so that's the investment that we have is to continue to see the Army Nurse Corps thrive as you know one of the most tr- trusted professions in you know in the nation, in the world. Um, the military medicine to continue to grow that and and um, and to provide the best quality of care. Really, that's the other piece of it to so, to provide the best quality care for our wounded warriors and, and our military and our beneficiaries. Um, so I find officers, there's, there's a couple of ways. I find officers that are there, they have so much potential, um, but are kind of struggling with which way to go. Or I get this all the time. How do I get, how do I get noticed? How do I get a job someday like you have, you know, um, you've done this and this and this, how do I get there? And so, okay. And I had this conversation today. We had the med for med surge nurses week. We had a town hall with all of our med surge nurses um, that wanted to join. It's a volunteer thing, but it's the first time we had it. And, um, and we got some of those questions, but you know, I provide, I tell them you have to look up and out. Right. And so you, and for us as senior leaders, we have to, we're working on all of these work groups. And that, and, and so you, we have to think, what young junior officer can, can I find to lead this? And so to lead this and I can empower that officer to really take the reins and go. And then you're that whisper on their shoulder, but you're letting them, you're pushing them to the front and guiding them, and continue to push them to the front, and they will do phenomenal things when you allow that to happen, so um, I'll tell you one example. Recently, we had a phenomenal captain um, that was deployed, um, and, you know, I just came from CENTCOM as the chief nurse and chief of clinical operations there, so we're working on um, different platforms across the joint service of all of those folks that are um, medical deploy downrange. and one of the one of the things that we've been working on is our patient safety processes. And part of the patient safety processes is when you come from different services, you you know you know the okay, we we don't really say joint commission downrange, but you know the the standards of care, but the environment is different. You're, um, you're coming from a different place. You speak differently when you're coming from the Army, neighbor, Air Force. So, how do we come together as a joint force downrange so that our processes are seamless? Because now our patients are coming across the continuum and may cross services until they reach their final destination. So, it's really important for high reliability, we talk about all the time, that we have these seemingly processes. And then we also have now units that are deploying that have never deployed before. You know, we have nurses deploying and never deployed before for a while. People were deploying over and over again, but now we've got a new generation, new people coming in. They come in and, and, and they're starting over. Maybe it's a reserve unit and there's, they, sometimes they come together and that's, you know, that's where they come together sometimes, or you have pockets that come together that way. So now our, this, Things like our patient safety processes, what we did is we developed kind of like a playbook of sorts. So not the general policy that you might think of that's, that's housed somewhere in a database in the, at your medical center, but this is a, something that really has the, this is how you do it. This is the resources that we have. Here are the contacts. Here are our virtual ways to communicate. And now we've got to the system of this is how we roll. This is how CentCOM and all of the units of CentCOM are one, how we roll. Well, in order to get there, you know, I'm I'm looking at all kinds of buckets. So I'm like, I reached down and I said to the chief nurses, hey, can is there a a a junior a company grade officer or even a major that is interested in leading this work group? And I'll I'll tell you this young captain came up and she just was phenomenal because she's leading She's leading majors, lieutenant colonels, colonels, as well as bringing in the experts from, you know, medical command, patient safety, all of that to come up with the best product that we could have. And um, and just a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And what do you think of the lessons that she learned on leadership, strategy, communication, you know, how to move teams in a very quick way across oceans? to that goal, to achieve that goal in a timely manner. Right? Phenomenal. And so that's kind of what what I do pretty regularly when I see, you know, it's, I to say a process is kind of hard to say that, but I'm always on the lookout for that bright officer. And um, And sometimes they reach up to you. You know, I get, you know, right now we have this new marketplace and you apply for jobs and I have officers reaching up and saying, Hey, will you talk to me about this? What do you think I should do? You know, what what kind of broadening assignment, you know? And so I always ask them, where is your heart telling you? Where do you want to go next? What? Where is your love? What do you want to do and be in the next five or 10 years before you even start talking about what kind of roles you should be applying for?
0: Yeah, uh, that that's, I mean, that's, that's definitely good advice because, you know, with the new generation of nurses, uh, a lot of the nurses don't go, to one place and stay there they right. move around um so i i know like i were I, I worked at one of the actually the kaiser facility you and i met at several years ago uh like i know we had nurses there that had started there retired there and that's the only thing they knew but you know mm-hmm. a lot of nurses don't do that anymore they move around they move cities they move hospitals mm-hmm. special tests, and so on uh so it's you know so those questions do come up quite a bit um, and, you know, I think it's important from, from a leadership perspective or from a mentor perspective to be able to guide those individuals. Uh, so a- important role to, even if it's for the one-time advice, I think it's an important role to, uh, to hold, uh, to, be that, mm-hmm. to be that resource. Actually, I still have students that call me up like a couple of years after they've graduated and they say, hey, I'm tr- thinking about doing this. What do you think? So I haven't heard yeah. of them in two years, but, <laughs> but here I am like, you know, sitting down with them and kind of uh, working their option. And it's important, it's important for them to have that realization of uh, what's going to make them um, uh, like feel better or feel better about what they do, what they're doing.
1: Yeah. It's important to be accessible and, and, you know, rank can be intimidating. So it's important to present yourself in such a way that they feel comfortable knocking on your door or, you know, coming to ask questions. So you, you have to be accessible. And then when they do ask, oh my gosh, that has to be one of your top priorities. You know, um, in the army, what is our number one asset is the soldier. We have to make that time to sit, even though you're so crazy busy, because the business of medicine, the, the healthcare operations don't stop. But you have got to find that time, 30 minutes or an hour, to really sit down with them with the undivided attention that they deserve. And they will always remember that. And then when they when you see them succeeding, because, you know, we always have the announcements. So-and-so got promoted. So-and-so got published. Army Nurse Corps puts out a newsletter. Always, you know, it takes two seconds to send a little note. Congratulations. Hey, pay it forward. You know, think of that next person. And, and that's... Since I learned that from my mentor, that's something that I always say too. You got selected for the Order of Military Medical Merit. You've just got inducted. Pay it forward. Who are you going to select next year?
0: Right, right. Um, now, I, as you're talking about this, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting this thought that that's sort of formulating in my head. So, if you're looking at the profession of nursing overall, right, what would you say if you're looking at an individual? Um, that is looking to grow in the profession of nursing, right? Um, Like, what do you think would, would be some qualities that would um, not necessarily expedite, but, but put them on the right path. Like what are, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a nursing student looking to go get my first job or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a new nurse in the profession, what are some qualities that would make you, that you think would make them, um, not necessarily just successful, but uh, more of a um, active contributor uh, to the profession of nursing. So whether I'm, I'm sure the similarities are going to be the same with the military versus the qualities are going to be similar. For Sure.
1: So you have a new grad that's coming in. Number one, hone your clinical skills. You know, often the young um, lieutenants or young brand new nurses. And I heard this from my own daughter. She's a labor and delivery nurse. Oh, well. Um, Yeah, but she started on a med surge floor. Her love was to go into labor and delivery, and you know, but the residence she got was at a med surge floor. (laughs) And I said, "Grow where you're planted, right? Grow where you're planted and do be the best that you can be there and learn your skills. If you're the best med surge ever nurse ever, will be the best blank, you know, because you have you have to start there. So that's number one." Um, So slow down, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, um, it'll come. And then while you're there, um, you know, early leadership development opportunities like infection control, you know, be that infection control lead on your ward and be part of that team or patient safety or performance improvement or, you know, we have our professional practice model of the patient caring touch. Get on that committee, you know shared decision-making. There's so many committees within the hospital that offer leadership opportunities and also help you to learn about that niche in, in healthcare. You know, you'll learn everything that you could ever want to know about infection control if you join that infection control work group. So that's a great way to get started. And it's also a great way to get noticed in that facility as someone who is a, a, um, motivated nurse wants to be a leader, wants to move forward is a producer, you know, is a team player, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and and sometimes it takes a little bit of extra time on top of your shift to be able to do that, but it's all well worthwhile. Um, and then, um, continuing in the education path, it's important to keep learning, um, continue to read, join a professional organization. And, um, even if you can't be so active where you go to meetings and everything, but read the literature, you know, stay engaged. Um, that's another, another thing that one of, um, my mentors had said to me, um, actually, um, one of the former surgeon generals in, when she, I went to her promotion ceremony and she said, stay engaged, Tammy, stay engaged. And that's, that's really, you know, really one of the main things you can do because you never know where that opportunity is going to offer itself mentor others you know if you're a staff nurse volunteer to be a preceptor you're going to learn from the person you're precepting you're going to learn leadership skills you're going to you're going to become a better clinical nurse because you're teaching teachers you know it you, always cuz you get very detail oriented and your critical thinking is just on fire when you're teaching Um, so, you know, volunteer to be a preceptor. Oftentimes you see, oh, I'm always picked to be a preceptor, but that's, that's an honor because you're growing, you're paying it forward and you're growing that younger nurse and you're also developing yourself. So those are some of the early things that I would do. And, and like I said, again, continue that education process. You know, if you don't have your bachelor's degree, get your bachelor's degree, you know, Hone your skills. maybe you don't go for your master's degree right away. I and my I didn't go right away. And personally, I think when you go to a uh, master's program, you you um grow with your experience you bring your experiences with you, and that's part of the conversations that you have in school um, and how you learn to go to that advanced practice level is starting with the basics and 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 you share your experiences and you learn from each other. Um, so continuing to learn. Step outside of your field. Find a mentor that's not a nurse. Find a mentor that's maybe not even part of medicine. You know, if you're aspiring to be, say, a chief nurse executive, or maybe you want to be a CEO someday, or any anything. Maybe you want to step out and and become a, a VP at a um, for medical, some sort of medical equipment or something. Step out and learn business learn the business side of things, get a mentor that's outside of that, because that, they always have a different perspective as well. Um, actually, um, one, of the, one of the generals at, um, at my last duty station told me that when you get to Fort Stewart, make sure you seek out other people outside of the hospital, you know, get to know them and learn from them. So that's always great advice. That's hard to do you is. tend to stay in your comfort zone right, get right. out that's the next thing i heard that today in the town halls um one of my deputies giving advice get out of your comfort zone seek out a job or a role that you are absolutely you know you may be thinking i am so not qualified for this role um i've felt that a time or two <laughs>
0: yeah i felt that yeah. in every 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 job i've had <laughs> like <laughs> yeah
1: well yeah cuz even if you go you know, okay, I'm a deputy commander for nursing right now, which is equivalent to a chief nursing officer or chief nurse executive, or whatever the title you use at a, at a medical facility. Um, but i tell you, even though you have it in your mind, what all the things you need to pay attention to, um, it's still a huge growing curve when you go to a new organization, because you have to learn the people and their processes. And guess what, at this facility, I'm not just in charge of nurses. I'm also in charge of patient care services. So I've got the radiology laboratory, pharmacy, you know, public health, all of those things as well. Yeah. It's, much bigger scope. So you're learning outside of your field. So now I'm learning all kinds of things that I would never even knew the terminology for when it comes to lab. Yeah.
0: You know. For example. <laughs> yeah, because actually I was like talking my a couple of my students were doing presentations today uh and then when their presentation was uh, was over, so I was telling them about this other stuff that they could think about, you know, as a uh as a addition not as a critique of what they presented because it was fantastic but just as a way of other things they can look at and then one of them stayed after uh, our zoom class um, and she's all like thanks for telling me that but i would have never thought of it i'm like it's i don't know it because i just know it i know it because i've been in certain roles and i've had the opportunity to look at scope of things from different perspectives. That's the only reason I'm able to share that with you. Uh, so I said, with time, with experience, all that stuff, it's not, it's not natural for us to always look at things. you know in a certain way, but it's experience. So as you build experience, I think it's important um, yeah. that you bring, you see those different points of view. So, uh, yeah. so, um, and I know you're in this role fairly new a few weeks. So congratulations on that. Um, Thank now I, I do have, I do want to, I do want to ask you, uh, one, uh, one more question and then we can end it with anything else you want to share. Um, I want to ask what are some things and if you're working at, like as a civilian and you're looking to join the military, uh, or if you have aspirations to be in the military, uh, what are some things, uh, that you would tell people to know or, uh, cause I know the civilian, nursing experience, I mean, the nursing part is the same, but the military comes with these additional components. What would you say they should uh, think about or know about the military?
1: It's not I, it's we. We're there to serve. We're there to, you know, especially, the, you know, we're there to support our um, our soldiers, our combat arms. Um, we're there to support them, right? They're that's the only reason we're here is to to support and provide the best medical care for our soldiers. So you really have to think about it like that. It's not about a business. It's about caring for our soldiers and our families, um, our beneficiaries. Um, and, and it's really important because, you know, when you have, when you have a soldier that's deployed and their, their spouse is at home and you're caring for them, it's so important to have that best, the best care ever, because that gives that soldier peace of mind. Right. And so all of that kind of comes together and readiness. So readiness, we talk about readiness quite often, we have our medical readiness which is keeping up with yourself to stay healthy, medically fit, you know, make sure that you um, get all of your, you know, eyes, ears, everything's taken care of, and is um, ship, you know, top shape. Um, our physical fitness is also part of readiness. Uh, we also, for the medical field, we have our medical readiness and, and our, you know, we're alike in some ways in what we do in the, in the hospital, but we're always preparing for what skill sets do we need when we need to deploy and take care of trauma or, um or the kind of, you know, the injuries or disease, non-battle injuries, even the silent injuries, the you know, um, the traumatic brain injuries that, that occur, um, and different things, behavioral health, um, things that occur because of being deployed or multiple deployments or whatever, the person, the things that's going on with those soldiers. So, um, and then our, our clinical skills. So, you know, as a, so as a med surgeon nurse, I'm a med surgeon nurse. Um, but, but, and I still, when I think about, what can I do clinically here? And in this facility, I'll, we always have to think about how do we fill the gap of clinical skills that we might need once we deploy? So when I deployed, I did deploy for six months. And I was, I was um, the officer in charge of an, an ICU, critical care. And I'm a med surge nurse, ICU, um, the intermediate care ward, which is like your med surge ward, and then also the detainee unit. And so there were times where I had to step it up and assist the critical care nurses in the critical care unit. You know, you only, you know, you have to, you still, you function at your scope, right? But you function at the top of your license. So that's something that is a little bit different that you really need to think about if you're wanting to transition into the military. We always got to push above that comfort zone. And and so we do a lot of training, simulation training. Um, combat, you know, outfield, field medicine, things like that, which is different than, than in the civilian sector. You go in there and you do your, do your role, you take care of your patients, and that's where, that's where you, it's at. And we're always thinking about how do we prepare for that next mission that's outside of the medical center. Um, so there's that. Um, you know, it's a team. It's always, and yes, I know there's teams in the civilian sector too, but it's the culture. The culture of the team, the culture, the family. We are in it together always. Right? Um, and so the, you know, those I think that would be the the biggest thing is you really if you want to join the military, you have to have it in your heart that this is what you want to do. It's not about the money, because there is <laughs> some of us do, not about the money.
0: <laughs> Definitely not about the money. Yeah. There's that and that's actually one of my biggest struggles that I had coming out of the military was Everything was around overtime. I'm like, what's overtime? Like, I understood the concept of overtime, but had never participated in in the thing called overtime. I'm like, I'm like, well, I was in the field for three weeks. If we're looking at an eight-hour day, that's not even. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that was like twenty-four-seven yeah. for three weeks or six months or whatever the deployment period was. So, so yeah, yeah. it's uh, and that so, yeah. happens so,
1: with deployments. Yeah. But you know, they do try to be, the leaders do are, are, you know, very fair. And we, we do try to keep an assemblance of a schedule, you know, so staff right. nurses are typically working your 12 hour shifts, three days on, you know, three, one week for the next, whatever. It, diff- right. it varies at different facilities. So we do try to do that, but then there are training that you have to also go to. We go to the range, right. fire on your rifle or your nine millimeter. We, you know, we really don't go to the the gas chamber anymore. <laughs> that's very that's in in your when you're in school. I haven't been to the gas chamber in years. Um, but we do go to the field and you know depending on what kind of unit you're in. Right. Um, now we have, you know, um, you might be a, you might be working at a major medical center but be assigned to a field hospital. Right. So there will be times where you'll go and train with them. Um, and you might have to go somewhere. It might not be to a combat area. It might be to a humanitarian. It might be to help out with COVID in the United States. You saw that that um, right, right. our, our combat support hospitals activating to assist um, the different facilities the different MTFs that were hit pretty hard in those hot spots, right, like New York City. Right. Um, so, you know, I think those are some of the main the main things I can think of on the top of my head that you know you really need to think about if you're, if you're wanting to come in, but it's so very rewarding. Oh my gosh. I, I would never have chosen another path. I just, I um, have thoroughly loved my time in service, both enlisted while well, I liked it enough enlisted to go and commission active duty. But um, I've always have felt no matter where I go, there's a support system. Um, you know, we PCS, uh, PCS, we move. <laughs> PCS means you move to a new location And, um, and I'll tell you, um, my husband, you know, um, I was moving all the way from California to DC and my husband went ahead of me and guess what? I called up a girl I went to college with, and he, she stayed at their house with her family for a week while he went house hunting. That's the kind of, um, community that we have. And I hadn't seen her in a long time in years. So, but you know, you are always there for each other. You just pick up the phone and say, "Hey, can you help me?" Absolutely, and that's the military culture.
0: And, and I have to admit, that's that's probably one of the main things I miss out of the uh, out of not being in the military anymore is that having that. And I'm lucky enough to have a couple of friends still uh, that 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 I'm close to that that, that still bring that feeling back, uh, even though they're in different states. Uh, but that, military, no matter of where that's what I miss is no matter where you go. Uh, it's like from day one, you're part of the community. Like you don't yeah. have to, you know, wait a year or two before you make it, you know, make friends. And so that's, I think that's been my biggest struggle. Like being in the civilian world is, uh, missing that camaraderie and that, uh, that, uh, uh that sort of like the fa- you always have the family around you kind of a feeling, uh, yeah. regardless of where you go in the world. So I think it's amazing. Uh, so, uh, uh, Colonel Funari, uh, thank you so much. Uh, I greatly appreciate you being on the program. Uh, thank you for your uh, continued service. Uh, um, I'm I'm lucky to have met you a few years back uh, and have you in my Rolodex where I can <laughs> reach out to you and, and ask you to be on the show. Uh, so uh, fantastic to hear from you. And uh, you have been listening to... Uh, Colonel Funari uh, on the RN Mentor podcast. I look forward to uh, bringing this podcast and future podcasts to you as we journey along this process. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your week. You've been listening to The RN Mentor with your host, Ali Tayeb. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayip.com. That's www.aliartayip.com for podcast notes and resources. And don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair wins and following Z.